Well, you know what? We are in the best of, and this best of is so, so special to me because, you know, for all of you that have been listening, you know that we actually opened up an office in the UK, and you also know that I cannot be at every event. And when my team in the UK introduced me to Rosie, it was like meeting my sister. I mean, she has an unbelievable story. She is so dedicated to Comfort Cases UK and Comfort Cases all over the world. I could not have the best of and not have Rosie on our show. So listen, I hope you love her as much as I do because I know you will. She has a great accent and what an amazing conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again fostering change. Well, you know, it's hard to believe that this year is almost over. Wow, what a year. You know, 2021 brought us so many things. It brought us some times that we didn't really think were going to um, happen. And what I mean by that, how many times we had to take the mask off, put the mask on. Yes, you had a social distance. No, you didn't have social distance, you know. And for us as a nonprofit for Comfort Cases, we had a lot of changes. But one of the greatest changes that we had, and I celebrated when it happened in 2020, and to see how the growth is gone in 2022, is Comfort Cases UK. That's right. Comfort Cases United Kingdom. You know, I never thought that that would ever happen. First of all, I remember when we first packed our first case in our conference room, I never thought that we would be in every single state. But then to be able to cross the pond, and yes, I love saying that, to cross the pond and now be able to help children who are in the foster care system in the United Kingdom is something I couldn't ask for more. And the group that we have there is fantastic. Fantastic. But the person that I absolutely am so excited to have on our podcast today is not only is she a friend of mine, but the fact is, is she is our ambassador. She's our spokesperson for Comfort Cases UK. And ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for you all to meet my friend, Rosie Wainwright. Rosie, welcome to Fostering Change. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, you are just absolutely a gem. So what time is it? It's four o'clock there? Well, I'm in Spain actually again. So oh. <laughs> so it's five o'clock, but yeah, four o'clock in England. Yeah, five o'clock there. So, you know, Rosie, I want to jump right into this. So, you know, um, we started Comfort Cases over a year ago in the UK. And when our team reached out to you um, and told you the story, what did you think? My first thoughts, like, it put me right back where I was when I entered the system. And so that was like my first thought. And then my second thought was like, oh my gosh, we really need this. This is amazing. Like, this is such a great idea. So yeah, it's just, it's just been fantastic. And I'm, I'm absolutely honored to, to be part of the organization. 
Oh, Rosie, we're so excited to have you as our ambassador. You know, I, I, you know, Cumber Cases has always been my baby and I'll never forget the first day that I met you and I got to hear your story, which by the way, everybody, you're going to hear some of their story in a little bit, but I will never forget for the first time, the feeling of saying, you know what? This is someone that can stand next to me and help me grow this the way it needs to be grown because we have foster care all over the world and people don't realize and all over the world kids are carrying their their stuff in trash bags and whether we call them bin bags whether they're called trash bags we know that it's happening so rosie tell us a little bit about your story gosh where do i start so i I entered into the foster care system when I was about 14 years old. Um, back then, I thought that was quite old to, to enter into the system, but actually, like statistically, about 13, 14 is, is around about the age um, that a young person enters into the system in the UK. So, you know, I was kind of, I was brought up predominantly by my grandparents, so like, like how many stories start, my parents split when I was young. Um, my mum had me at quite a young age. Um, I'm glad to say like now me and my birth mum, we have a really good relationship. But back then it was, it was awful. There was a lot of drugs, there was a lot of abuse. Um, my dad wasn't really in the picture. I have a good relationship with him now as well, which is fantastic. But there was a lot of turmoil and I think my grandparents kind of kept that together um so when my grandparents passed and my grandma she passed away of cancer and then I lost my grandfather to Alzheimer's it was kind of like left with me and my mum and she had many relationships um which often would fall apart um she would rely on men a lot so quite often when she would break up with her partner and it used to happen a lot I would just get this this man come in and take all of the stuff that you know that he had bought for the house or whatever um and it was it was quite bad there was an incident that happened where my mum she did attempt to take my life um and there was loads of other different occasions that kind of built up to the fact where I needed to get out of that home. Um, there had been occasions where I, I had sofa surfed, I'd been homeless, I stayed with aunts and uncles, but I kind of felt like this, this burden that was just moved from pillar to post, I didn't really belong anywhere. And I actually went and I asked for help because I was like, you know, someone needs to help me, right? They're, this can't be normal. And there was a place, it was called Connections. Um, it's changed names now and been bought and sold or whatever, but it's basically a place where you go for sexual health advice, housing and stuff like that. So I just rocked up there and I said, look, this is my situation and I need some help. Now asking for help, it's not as easy as it sounds because I had a lot of pressure from my mum, you know, a lot of threats saying, you know, if you tell anyone that, you know, what I'm doing to you, um, I'll kill you. Or, you know, there was always the threats of ending up in like a foster home as well. Like no one wants you, blah, blah, blah. And I remember seeing this guy who was a social worker and he took one look at me and he said, well, you're not on drugs, you're, you're not pregnant, you look all right, so we can't help you. 
so I was like okay so for me that was kind of like the last straw um I didn't really know where else to turn and and you know there were occasions where police like the police were called and then social services had to intervene and that's when I was eventually removed from the home and placed into foster care I will never forget the feeling I don't know what it is with memories but you always remember something more when there's like a really strong emotional attachment to it but I remember rocking up at this woman's house with, I can't even remember what I had with me, but not a lot, just bags of, I don't know, underwear and whatnot. And she was so warm and so welcoming. And she was like, hi, come in, this is your room. And, you know, I have to go out for a meeting now, but help yourself to any food in the fridge. And and I was there for about an hour and then she went out. And I remember sitting there on my own in this stranger's house thinking, God, what is going on? Like, this is the point where I knew that my life had to change. It had to change. And I think having someone, because I knew, I was a stranger in her home and having someone invite me in like that. And obviously it's, it's a job as a, as a foster carer, but to have me in and trust me and, and kind of just allow me to be in that space, it, it meant a lot. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I, so many things about that part of the story. First of all, I have to tell you, you did exactly what I try to tell people to do all the time. You forgave, you know, to, to know the, what went on with your biological mother and your biological father. And for you to sit here today and say that you have a good relationship with them, that comes from the fact that you forgave, you know? And I remind people all the time that forgiveness is not about the other person, but it's about you gaining that power back. So for you to be able to go to your birth parents and forgive them for those years of, you know, the abuse, the neglect, and by the way, mental abuse is, I, I've said this before, you know, as a kid who grew up where dad used to put his cigarettes out on my legs, um, I, I remember as a teenager being homeless and thinking, oh my gosh, if I could just feel that cigarette again, because the mental illness that I had from being alone compared to the physical, you know, and for you to forgive, you know, that is, and then to ask for help. You know, I was always scared. I was scared because I knew what foster care was like. My brothers and sisters had already fallen to the wayside. Did you have any idea what foster care was like? I mean, you were lucky. You walked into a home and they said, welcome home, which by the way, foster parents that are listening out there, that's the first thing you do is that's the first thing you do. Make them feel safe make them feel wanted understand that kids come into foster care because of choices other people made rosie did not make a choice to go into this stranger's home it was because of the choices that other people made you know rosie what would you say to a 14 year old girl today um that has gone through what you went through i would say use your voice I would, I would tell her to use your voice and speak up. There was a lot of times where I didn't speak up. And when you're a child and the two people who are meant to love you and care for you the most, you know, betray that. And they, you know, they, they betray you and, and they clearly don't. It affects you in ways where you just constantly feel like you're not good enough. Um, so why would, why would anyone else care? 
And to then have that initial rejection as well was kind of like another hammer in the nail almost. But what I've learned is that you need to you need to speak up. There are there are some pretty nasty people out there, but there are some really wonderful, loving, amazing, generous people out there that would want to help you. Do you think that you, the foster parents that you went to, um, was that the only home that you had gone to, by the way? Wow. So that was the only home that I'd gone to. And I had nothing, I knew nothing about the foster care system. I am my mum and dad's only child from the both of them. And my friend group, so I was kind of surrounded by people who came from normal homes and whose parents didn't want me in their house because I was seen as, I don't know, trash in in in, in a sense because I don't know, you, you hang around with the foster kid, you're apparently your child's gonna end up corrupted. <laughs> but it was I don't know, it it it's it's inexplainable of how that whole situation can like how it transferred to how it actually went because it could have gone different it could have gone different you know the statistics in the the uk are no different than the the statistics within our country as well so it could have gone different listen we're going to take a quick break because when we come back i want to talk to my friend rosie about those statistics about the similarities of what we see within our foster care system here within the united states and also within the united kingdom you know i say this quite often your community my friends is not your zip code it's not your community is your human race so what affects children in the uk affects children here in the united states and i'm telling you if there has ever been a time i know the holidays are approaching if there has ever been a time that you have reached into your pocket to give please visit comfortcasesuk.org that's right comfortcasesuk.org because these children, they deserve to be loved. We'll be right back. Well, we've made it to the end of 2021. For many, 2022 couldn't have come any sooner. This is just a quick reminder that it's not too late to make a donation to Comfort Cases before the tax year comes to an end. In this season of giving, we know many need your support. But if you choose to donate to Comfort Cases, you will be supporting youth in foster care and the organization that works so hard to make sure we're providing Comfort Cases and Comfort XLs to children who are entering our foster care system. You have to understand that 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and we would really, really appreciate it for you to help us make a difference. Thanks again for being a great human and happy new year. Well, I will tell you that first half of fostering change was definitely an eye opener. I was so excited that you all got to meet my friend Rosie and the fact that Rosie is our national spokesperson in the UK. She is the ambassador of comfortcasesuk.org and just to hear her story. You know, I say this quite often, you know, tell your story. 
And by telling your story, you never know how it's going to affect someone else. You know, here in the United States, we have over 438,000 children that are sitting in our foster care system. Yeah, I know right now, today, we are sitting roughly with about 120,000 kids who are waiting for a forever family. Every day when I walk into Comfort Cases National Center and I see these backpacks going out, I just think about another child who's entered the system. Rosie, I'd like to talk about what's happening in the UK. You know, with the pandemic, we've seen here in the United States such an increase of kids entering the system. What have you seen in the UK? There has definitely been an increase of young people going into the, to the system. I think what the pandemic has done, it has, you know, any issues or anything that was happening in the family home, you are now stuck, you know, you are in lockdown. There was a time where we couldn't leave, you know, domestic violence has increased. Um, and I think we're actually, we're up 2% from last year in the amount of children entering into the system. So we're about 80,000 young people. Um, in the whole of the UK, which is is a big number, and the pandemic and what that has done is is just it's made it made it a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, and and we we've seen the same things for you know the longest time we were on lockdown, and so you know people thought oh the numbers are dropping, and and I was you know pounding telling people listen that's not true the problem is is that johnny and susie are still being neglected and beaten we're just not seeing it we're not seeing it they're not going to our frontline workers or in front of teachers they're not seeing it because of the pandemic you know i'd like to know what it's like in foster care in the uk so for an example here in the united states a child is removed from a home for either neglect or abuse and this the sad part is is that i feel that we remove way too many children because of the word neglect because we have associated neglect with poverty um and what we should be doing is trying to keep that family together do you do you have the same thing where you're you're looking at neglect and abuse for removal of children or do you have seen also a big drug issue which is something we've had a spike in it's it's a mixture so definitely neglect and abuse but also we have like respite care placements and stuff like that which can eventually lead in lead into a foster care placement it could be that the young person um, has a severe disability and the parents aren't equipped enough to to raise that child um there, it's a mix, but usually, as you said, Rob, it is abuse and neglect. Yeah. But you mentioned something which is quite different here in the UK, and I don't know whether or not it's, it's a good or a bad thing, because it comes with its pros and cons, but part of our system is that we want to try and keep as many young people out of the system as possible. But that means that there are so many young people that fall through that net where they aren't abused enough, they're not neglected enough, or they're not listened to, or there's someone, you know, gosh, I remember social workers, they would visit my mum and they would arrange to visit. And on the face of it, she appeared to be absolutely fine. And I said to them, 
go, go on an unannounced visit and go to the house and see what you get. Please just do that. And obviously that's what happened. And she opened the door and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and she's still in her pajamas. And obviously had been taking loads of drugs the night before, but it's, they, they try and keep young people with their families as much as they can. Um, but it is very last resort that a young person will enter into the foster care system. Yeah, that's kind of scary because I I am having the same issue with how I stand on that because I do know that here in, in the United States, our foster care system is shattered and we do more damage by a, putting a child in the system than by leaving a child in the home. And that's sad to say, but that is true. I mean, we, we have such a high rate of child molestation in the system, of abuse of, of foster parents in the system. And, you know, but then you're right. You know, I think about that, that child that we've left in the family and, and you know, you, something you said in our first half of fostering change was you went to a social worker and the social worker said, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't look dirty or you didn't, you know, you didn't look like you had any marks on you. And, you know, so, so, you know, the system wasn't for you, but, you know, the mental abuse that you were going through, it's, it's something that, yeah, it, it's something that we have to think about. You know, I always thought that, you know, if you were able to put a child in a foster home, why couldn't we take somebody to and put them in the family? So, you know, so for instance, there's that safe haven person that's in the family that is actually able to see what's going on. And um, so all of a sudden you got a mom and dad and, and, and the mom is just, you know, she's, she's timid and, and because she's being browbeat by the husband, why don't we remove the perpetrator, bring that person into the family and try to stabilize them? Um, you know, I just feel like there's so many other things we can do because then, you know, for us, you know, this year alone, close to 30,000 kids will age out of our system and they age out at different ages here in the United States. Every state does it differently. And so you can be 18 like I was, some states are 21. What is, what is, what is the, the norm in the UK when it comes to the quote aging out? So I, left the system at 18 and back then um that was kind of the cutoff point for the uk as soon as you turn 18 literally as soon as you turn 18 you need to kind of pack your bags and go and when i say go it depends on we have councils and boroughs and local authorities so depending on which borough you belong to where you're kind of born things differ so at 18 you may get a council property where the majority of young people lose their homes in the first year because they're not given the skills of how to manage their money properly how to deal with bills or just simple things or it could be that they go into assisted living accommodation where people that have not necessarily been in the foster care system but maybe drug addicts or abusers and, and and things like that it's it's really difficult the law has changed so now you can we have something called a staying put agreement so if the foster family so it all depends if if the foster family wants you and i know 
I've met too many young people. I class myself as lucky with the the woman that I was placed with that um, that their foster families were just horrendous. And also up until the age of 21, if you are still in education, then you can get that support as well. So there's there's three ages really, 18, 21 and 25. But again, that kind of decision is on those foster carers. Like the young person doesn't really get a say in what happens to right. them. And, and by that time, they're so angry and they're so mad. They want to get the hell away from the system. You know, um, Rosie, we haven't talked about this, but I, before we end, I, I, I want to talk about this because here in our country, um, we only have 54% of our youth that are in foster care actually graduate from high school, only 54%. And we only have 3% that get a college education. Rosie, you actually have a bachelor's degree in law. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I got to bring this up because I'm telling you, my sister, that is not the norm. You know, you have a bachelor's degree in law. You have you are a motivational speaker. You have done so many amazing things. But the fact that you graduated from high school and then got a bachelor's degree in law. How did that happen? Where did you get that grit? because it just it wasn't easy and I had to go back to I had to go back to high school and retake some of my exams oh, gosh but even now when I think about it like I went to law school and I graduated like back then it was three percent of young people go like who are in foster care go to university right but that the statistic itself is they go to university they don't tell you how many drop out in the first year or the first three months so we're up to six percent now which is a little bit better but it's still not great but that grit it's it's a question that I get asked a lot Rob and honestly I think there were I can put it down I can pinpoint one moment where I was sitting on I was sitting on the edge of the bed in, in my foster home and it dawned on me that no one is coming to save me like this is all on me now and the only way that I knew of a way out was to you know make money or through an education I started reading books um, and I'm heavily dyslexic as well like reading does not come naturally and neither does all these examinations I'm not an academic in the slightest but I knew I had I had one choice really of a way out and I chose education um but it's not easy and obviously getting a good qualification doesn't mean that you're going to be a multi-millionaire and it depends what you end up doing with it but just that in itself kind of that was the motivation like I need to do this I don't want to end up like my family I want to make more for myself that was kind of the starting point and what helped carry that on is having conversations with young people that were still in foster care or were leaving the system, them hearing my story, and then they go and follow my journey. They copy or take inspiration and think, if she can do it, then why can't I? And that, and that in itself is what has kept me going through education. Even now, I'm still studying. Yeah, because I'm, I just read that you're, you're a level five coaching qualification that you just got. You know, yeah. listen, 
For those of you that are listening to us or maybe you're watching us on our YouTube channel and you're looking for that person in your company to come and give the, your employees that, that, that motivation, that push to say that no matter where you come from, this is where you can be. You've got to connect with my friend Rosie. You know, the fact that she is our ambassador at Comfort Cases, she is more than that. And again, as I say this, and I want those who are listening, who have been in the system, who are going through the system, she has a law degree, a law degree. You know, one of the hardest things to get next to being a doctor, and she did it. And what you just said, no one's coming to save you. And that's how I felt as well, Rosie, is that, you know, for me, it was like a realization that no one was coming to save me. And so I had to save myself, and that's how I got into business. Listen, everyone, this has been fascinating. This has been a conversation that I have been wanting to have and for you all to hear and to meet my friend Rosie. And I really want you all to do me a big favor. As I said, the holidays are approaching. You know what I would really like for the holidays? is for each and every one of you to go to comfortcasesuk.org and make a donation. That's right. I'm not saying comfortcases.org because you know what? We are partners. But the fact is, is that we really need your support in the UK. These 80,000 children in the UK, they don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They belong to us, to us. And if you ever get a chance to look at a child from the foster care system and look into their eyes, I will tell you, you will see your future, your future. So again, please visit comfortcasesuk.org. Rosie, how can people find you? Um, so you can contact me either on LinkedIn, Rosie Wainwright, or you can connect with me on Instagram. So it's at Queen Rosa, um, R-O-Z-Z-A, R-O-Z-Z-A. And you can connect with me on there as well. Well, listen, we will definitely put all of those links up. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for standing next to me. Thank you for believing in comfort cases. And just thank you for being a good human. Listen up, everybody. I cannot wait for this uh, to air. And I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And by the way, this will not be the last time that we talk to Rosie because Rosie is part of the Comfort Case family. And so you are going to be getting updates of how Comfort Cases UK is doing as we continue to grow this wave. I believe it. I believe that if we educate our public about the foster care system, we will see change. Have a great day, everybody. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.